I am going first, but I'm not going first. Maybe this first little part will get the nerves all out of me for the serious part. I will apologize up front. Um, those who got pretty much everybody knows me or knows of me in here, right? You know that you're liable to get anything. So please don't be offended when I do what I do here in a few minutes. So it, it ain't bad, but you're going to think, <laughs> I have come to this church and this conference and this person is doing this. I'm warning you up front, if I get churched from here, I hope you'll allow me to <laughs> church. David, maybe we don't need to record. Um, no, I love to have fun and bring joy. And a lot of what I do and why I act the way I act, other than just being crazy, is um, that is the way that I deal with things in life. And uh, laughter is so important. There was a lot of years in my life when I was younger that I never felt like I had anything to smile about, and I didn't. I lived a depressed, dark life. Uh, we'll talk about that you know, later on if the Lord allows me to share that. So as I've gotten older, it's really hard for me to talk about being old, but I'm like, oh, I'm getting there. Um, there's certain things that make me feel really old and other things I don't. So I am a big kid at heart. I love to have fun. And, um, and I try so hard to let people know, especially when I see them and they're down and out or whatever, or if they're not a Christian, you don't have to go out here drinking and all that to have a good time and to have fun. As a matter of fact, that's not fun. And I try my best to let people know that you can have fun and be a Christian. Now, a lot of my fun is very warped. I'm sorry. Um, it just it just comes, and I can't stop it. Um, anybody else have that problem? Anybody ADHD in here besides me? Or No, nobody. I know you all aren't as whacked as me, but some of you all can come pretty close. One's not being truthful right there in a black shirt. <clears throat> and the one who's pointing at the one. <laughs> but, no, it, it's good to laugh in the Lord and to have joy. And we should have joy. And uh, so this first little part I just want to kind of do as an introduction, get you all kind of and help myself to get just, you know, out of the way. Uh, we will go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, afterwards, and we will need much prayer afterwards. Um, I will need much prayer afterwards, let me say that. But our scripture uh, for this weekend, the Lord put this on my heart back in April. And um, I was like, no, I'm not doing it. And he's like, okay, we'll see about that. So the fight began for me in April. I went to the Women of Joy Conference. Has anybody ever been privileged to get to go to that? Amazing! You're with 10,000 women just praising the Lord, hearing incredible speakers, and just it's just a wonderful time in the Lord. And But it's a convicting time, too, because while I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm loving it, I'm feasting, but I'm also going, ow, 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 ow. Oh, that was me, yeah. And then I just start repenting. But repentance is a great thing. And uh, so he started working on me in April, around the time of the Women of Joy Conference, it was like, Tish, you're not a speaker like them, and I don't expect you to be, but you have joy and you have something to share and to offer. And you need to quit holding back and not share what I've done for you. And when I share later, and I know when these ladies share, so Supreme will be speaking first tonight, Valerie will be sharing in the morning, and then Laura and Malika West will be coming at 1030 
and finishing out for us. But I know with any of us, we're not doing it to glorify ourselves because I certainly have absolutely nothing to glorify in me. And when I share my story, you're going to recognize and hear and know that. But I do have one inside of me that I do have every right and I don't do it enough to glorify God. He has been so good to me. That song I was playing in here, I don't know if y'all heard it, but Valerie sings it. Uh, He's always been faithful to me, and that is one of my theme songs. And when I was going through such a very hard time, Valerie would sing that song, and she would send me things. She has no idea what she means to me and just those little things. But there's several people that have done that for me in my life, and I'm thankful for it. The other song, and Gavin has learned to sing it here, and I just wear him out. I'm like, sing the goodness of God. And he's like, well, I will if the Lord tells me to. Sing it. (laughs) Sometimes I get my way. Sometimes I don't, you know. But uh, anybody heard that song, The Goodness of God? That's been my go-to song a whole, whole lot. And we will play it for y'all at some point and everything like that. Um, But we're here to share. It's called This Is My Story. This Is My Song. That's what God laid on my heart. I'm going to share my story. That's all I can share is what I have. Supreme is going to share her story. She has a story to share. Valerie's going to share her story. We all have a story if we belong to Christ. Some are way deeper in a lot than others, but nonetheless, we all have a story. And then this is my song, and if you recognize that, that comes from the song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. <laughs> oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I hope I can get through all this without crying and stuff, and that's a lot of why I laugh, so I don't cry, but uh, if you think about what that song means, and if you belong to Christ, you have blessed assurance, and uh, so we pulled that to it, and I was like, Saprina sings, and so she's going to share her testimony, and she's going to sing, I'm going to try my best to share, and unfortunately sing, I was just going to play songs, and Saprina's like, hey, no, 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 and I was like, well, we'll see. Valerie's going to share and sing. So if you were not planning to sing, I did tell you about that. And so you must choose a song to sing. says, speak or sing. No, no, no. It was both. I did not know. It is both. And then Laura Malika will be doing the same thing. So uh, just bear with us. Thank you all for coming so much. Um, but the scripture, there was tons of scripture that come to me. And everything, but the one that just stuck is 1 Corinthians 1 6, and it says this Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, he's got that up there for us. And you might say, What in the world? Well, we have to be a child of God to have the testimony of Christ confirmed in us, but so much more when we live out our lives and He's helped us through these things. We have that testimony of Christ, and it is confirmed. There is no way that we can make that change or any, anything about it. We just we can't do it because it's not us. It is him. And when we put him in his proper place, then we can be sanctified and we can move on and go. So very simple, short verse, but just remember that. And if you start feeling down or just think, man, I'm not going to make this, you know, or make it. The verse before that says that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. Then it says, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift, 
waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this was Paul's thankfulness. And if you all know anything about Paul, he had truly something to be thankful for. He is my hero in the Bible because he was such a wicked man. But God just used him immensely. But he told him, you will suffer for my name's sake. And so we should know from that with Paul that uh, we're going to suffer. And that's hard to accept sometimes. And I still have a hard time, even though I know it to be true, and even though I've been through things, and I know there will be something else, I'm sure, along the way. Because while we're living in this world, we're going to suffer. We're going to have issues. We're going to have problems. But we have one with us who is going to help us every time, every way. So I just want to share this real quick, and now I'm turning it over to Sabrina. But at the Women of Joy Conference a couple years ago, there was a speaker named Candace Payne. Has anybody ever heard of her, heard her speak or know anything of her? Interesting. Um, so I hadn't either, but she was there. And her life drastically changed. She did a silly YouTube video. It's four minutes long, and three minutes of it, all she was doing was laughing. That she had bought a Chewbacca mask and had put this, so she's known as the Chewbacca mom, the Chewbacca lady. So now you might know who that is. That changed her whole life and her whole world because that video, she was just being goofy, which is what I find myself doing all the time, but she had a really hard life. She was just being goofy. She went shopping because that's what she does when she's stressed. She found this mask. She puts it on and just starts laughing hysterically. And videos herself and carries on for four minutes. That's all she's doing. It goes viral. And she starts getting all these calls from the news stations and everything. And she become, you know, pretty famous all over a silly Chewbacca mask. But God stepped in and changed her life and everything about her. She, she's got an incredible testimony, just like we all do, um, and everything. But... She lived such a dark, depressed life. She was like, I needed joy in my life. And whatever it takes for joy to come, you know, and she's like laughing at myself in a mask. And those of you all, again, that know how warped I am, I have this awesome tub of costumes. And sometimes I just go in there and I'm like, I forgot I had this. I put it on, I start laughing at myself. It helps me. Every now and then I'll share it with some of my sisters. And they're like, oh. Yeah. Well, so I have something for you that's from my costume collection, but I want to share this with you. This is what Candace said, and it just ministered to me so much, and uh, that's why I want to share it is uh, the more vulnerable you are, the more intimate you can be. Now, you're already saying right here, oh, no. (laughs) Vulnerable. I was arguing with the Lord. I said, you're going to make me talk about a word that I can barely even pronounce. I mean, that's a hard word to say, vulnerable. But do you know what it means? Somebody share with me what you think vulnerable means real quick. Anybody, come on. Just allowing yourself to be open to share deeper than what you likely would, even knowing that you may or may not be rejected. Absolutely. You got it in a shell and hopefully those of us who are going to speak are going to be somewhat vulnerable you know because it helps but she said the more vulnerable you are the more intimate you can be 
We need to be intimate with Christ, and it helps to be intimate with others. And then she says the more intimate you can be, the more joy you can possess. So it's hard a lot of times to allow ourselves to share and to go deep and to do these things knowing that we may be rejected, we may be laughed at, we may be scorned, uh, all of these things. But if we're thinking about why we're doing it, especially when it comes to things of Christ, we can be intimate with him. And, and you all that are married and everything, you want to be intimate with your spouse. That's a good, awesome connection. But there's nothing like being intimate with the Lord. Nothing like being intimate with the Lord. Because it can perish with your spouse. Been there. It can. But with the Lord, it can. But we do everything we can to stop that from happening. And the closer we are, then we are still going through the sanctification process. So I really did love what she said. And then she did something after she said that. And so, no, I'm not going to wear this all night. I'm absolutely burning up and dying, but I had to hide. So please don't be offended. This is all just part of it. So the first thing I'm going to do is strip and burn it Not a very good stripper, you think? So here we go. I'm vulnerable. You can see everything inside me. Here's my intestines, which are causing me a lot of fear. My little tummy heart right here. And this, here's where my warped mind goes. You tell people I love you with all my heart. Look at that. That's little. I'm going to start telling people I love you with all my intestines. <laughs> That would be really bad. But you can see completely inside me. This is what a human body. I'm going to try to sell myself to the health science department. See if they want to do lessons for, you know, psychic. I'm just totally kidding. But I thought it was cool. But, you know, because it's one of my worked outfits. And it's like, this is being vulnerable. I don't want to see your insides. You don't want to see mine. But it'll help you to realize, I want to get deep with God. He already knows. He knows. And so we need to share that, and that's where being vulnerable comes in. That if I'm willing to dress like this and do this and be like, those people are never going to come back to your church. You just ruined it completely. Hope not. I'm sorry. Come back tomorrow. Stay for tonight, too. But um, he wants us to be intimate and to share and to have that joy. And then I'm going to say this, and I'm going to turn it over to Sabrina. But the thing is... When we do these things, we really find our place with Christ and we can help people. We have that joy. We can share our story. We can share our song. We can be what Christ needs and wants us to be. But we got to be honest. And then something else we have to focus on. I do this for another reason, too. Like, you're probably going to be having this image in your head for a while. But here's what we have to do. We have to learn to turn our focus things of the world or things that are crazy or things that really just drive us. And I struggle with this. I'll be the first to admit, turning off things so that you can truly focus. And I did that so that you can now get ready to turn your focus. We're going to pray. Turn our focus from the goofiness of men, what's gone down, because we have to do that in real life. When we sit in a service, 
Sunday after Sunday or whatever, you've got to make that decision. Am I going to focus on Christ today or am I going to pay attention to who's not here or what's going on or whatever? And it's easy to get sidetracked. And, I mean, you can be far away from God sitting right here on the front seat. And, unfortunately, I've been there before, and that's not a good feeling. That's not feeling joy, by the way. When everybody's shouting or singing and praising, you're sitting here and you can't feel a thing. You're just like, what's wrong with everybody else? Well, it's not everybody else. It's you. So let's switch our focus on the Lord and what he has to offer for us. And um, the altar is always open in this place, and I'm so thankful we have one. And at any time, if you do need to pray, don't mind what's going on. Whoever's speaking, whatever's going on. Come and use it. There will be sisters that will come pray with you. This is your time to get close. That's what God told me. You share. You ask these ladies to share. Let it be an intimate experience of Christ. And let's help each other. And bond in unity. We're one church, ladies. I'm so thankful there's multiple churches represented here. We are one church. It doesn't matter what the name is about the door. We are one church. And if we're going to heaven, we're going to worship in heaven together. So sorry for those who's going to be right close to me, you know. <laughs> but, uh, no, it'll be grand. But let's let's focus on that and the unity and allow the Lord to change us and to use us, okay? So let's bow our heads. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And then Supreme is going to take over. Dear Heavenly Father, y'all just come to you. God, we're so grateful and thankful for this opportunity. Thank you for allowing us to be at this moment. God, we know that we're nervous. And God, we love you. We thank you. Every opportunity that you allow us to share, God, I ask that you would search my heart, search all of our hearts. Forgive us where we failed you and come short, Lord, and for me, it's so frequently. God, I'm asking you to take that right now and just use us in a mighty way. Help every lady that's here. God, help us to just have joy and to be intimate with you and to share and that we would just go, Lord, in the love of, of you and everything that you would have for us. Father, do the work that only you can do. Bless each and every lady, God. Help us. Draw us near. Father, we're desperate for you, Lord. Change me, God. I need you, and I'm asking you to guide and direct us. Lord, we have people that are lost that need to be saved, God. We have people that are unconcerned. They don't ever think of you, God. And I pray that you would change their hearts and their minds and their lives. Lord, if they could just see down inside and see what we feel and see you living in us, Lord, that they would want that, God, and help all of us, Lord, to be that life and to be able to Help them to see a need for change, God. Bless the rest of this time. Bless Sister Suprema as she stands. God, I pray for Valerie tomorrow. And God, that your will will just be done. Lord, help us, God, in every way and everything. We ask all this in your sweet, holy, precious name. And amen. All right, Suprema, um, do you want to hold this mic or stand in the mic? But you're going to use a mic, so you determine which one you want. Stand. Sabrina has a very soft, lovely voice, so fix it wherever you need it here. I want to thank God for the joy that Tish brings to my life, because <laughs> it helps. And uh, my heart is just so blessed by her and, and by what she gives to me and to our church, and um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys, I will not be able to make it through this without tears. Um, you know, I, I share my testimony sometimes, but there are very 
few times when I share my full testimony because um, it is vulnerable. You know, I mean, it's amazing to me how the Lord works and moves and does the things that He does and gives me the opportunities that He does to share with, you know, my my brothers and sisters in Christ of what He has done in my life and, you know, even the loss that sit amongst us, you know, in some of our services. He's He's given me so many blessed opportunities to share. And, um, you know, this is another opportunity that he's given me. And I knew before Tish ever asked me that, um, that he was going to have me to speak. And um, so I want to be careful that I'm obedient to him um, because a large part of me wants to run out the door. <laughs> um, but I want to preface everything with this one thought and Tish touched on it, but um, it's not about me. None of this is about me. This is my portion that he has given to me. And he has brought me to this place. And the way that he has done it is extra- extraordinary. Um, and it, it, it's, it goes so far beyond even my own understanding. You know, I, I have my one porthole perspective of what he has done and, you know, how he has moved and touched in my life to bring me here. You know, I don't even know all the details, but that's the beautiful part about it. I don't need to know. You know, it's like my mamma says all the time, just walk it. And, um, but my hope in this, in, in sharing what he has done in my life and and through me is to show that his ability to work in every situation, you know, is there. Um, and it shows forth his glory. And, um, you know, that's what it's about. It's, you know, what is the chief end of man? To glorify God. And, you know, what is, if we ask ourselves that question, there's another question too. What is the chief end of God? It's to glorify God. And so, you know, that's what it's about. Every testimony that is in this building, if you have one, you know, when the Spirit speaks to us and bids us to come in and be part of the family of God, you know, it's, it's beautiful. Your testimony is beautiful. It doesn't matter if you were saved at six years old or 16 or 26 or 56 or 106. You know, that is beautiful in its own right. Because God knew that in the moment that he spoke to you, that that was your moment. And, you know, to me, I, I, I hear people who are not, not necessarily ashamed of their testimonies of being saved young. But it's like, you know, well, I got saved when I was little. I've been in church ever since. And, you know, it, it's like it, it seems cut and dry. But to me, that's such a beautiful testimony because, you know, the Lord speaks to us at the perfect time and in the perfect way, and, um, and that's what it's about. You know, your testimony is a miracle because it's, it's only the work of the Lord that can do what he does to bring us to salvation. And um, so with that, I want to get started, but I want to read um, some scripture that the Lord has given me, and um, I'm going to be in Luke chapter 7. I'm going to start in verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him, that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at me in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. 
and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. So um, I'm going to stop there, and I'll come back to this in a little bit and touch on it again. But um, a little bit of the backstory to my testimony. Um, I was born into the Mennonite community. Um, my parents had joined when my brothers were small children, and so I was raised Mennonite for the first 10 or 11 years of my life. And uh, for those of you that don't know what Mennonites are, if you know what Amish are, the Amish, um, the Mennonites are basically an updated version of the Amish, for lack of a better way of explaining it. Um, but it was very simple clothes, our hair was always up, it was covered, um, that was how I was raised. And, you know, when I was getting, you know, my formative views of who God was, you know, it was all about the outward appearance. It was all about making sure that you look the part, that you play the part, that you are doing what needs to be done because that's what's expected of you by your church elders. You know, it had nothing to do with a personal relationship with the Lord, and that's kind of what I took it as. And so, you know, we left the Mennonites when I was 10 or 11 years old, and I started into public school. And um, we, we started going to a Baptist church in my hometown, and... Um, I went to school with some of the kids that I went to church with, and those kids, because I was a Mennonite growing up, I was extremely socially awkward, and it really hasn't changed all that much, but I'm a little bit better at it now. Um, But because of the experiences that I had in the Mennonite church and because of the experiences that I had with those kids that I went to church and school with, you know, they made fun of me, and they picked on me because I was different. I was awkward, and, you know, it it was awful. But um, I took my interpretation of who God is, or was at that time, from the experiences I had as a Mennonite and as having just came out of a Mennonite church. And, you know, I thought, you know what, if this is what Christianity is, I don't need it and I don't want it. And, um, you know, for several years after that, it, it was about a decade, I, my testimony as a lost person was I kicked the doors down out of the church, I walked out, and I swore I would never be back. And, um, and that's what it was, and I lived it. Um, so I um, I left church completely. I made the decision to stop going to church as a teenager. My parents, you know, they they didn't really have control of me necessarily because I was a very determined child, and so I did my own thing and I made my own way, and that's that's what I was doing. I, I dated a guy in high school and, and right out of high school for about five years, and he was really mentally abusive. Um, he threatened suicide any time I would leave. I fought him over a rifle one day after school. It was horrific. Um, but I, I left him, and after that I was searching because, you know, I was just really broken, and, and it, was, it was a horrible situation. And so I decided that I was going to start hanging out with a group of friends from high school that um, were going to Knoxville uh, every weekend. And they were in clubs and they were hanging out and we were drinking and we were partying and we were smoking and we were doing all of these things that you do when you hang out with your friends because, you know, that's what you do when you're searching. You try to fill the 
void that's within you with the things of this world because you don't have the fulfillment of the Lord. And so, you know, I was seeking and seeking, and I hated God, and I hated his people, so why would I go to church? You know, it was it was pretty cut and dry for me. Um, but um, through that group of friends, I, I would drive to Knoxville sometimes, and at the end of one of those trips, I took everybody home, and the last person that I took home was one of the guys, and I, he invited me in, and he ended up taking advantage of me, and I was raped. And um, I always say it, you know, in a nicer way, but that's what happened. And through that situation and, and uh, all the things that had gone on there, I ended up pregnant. And um, I, when I found out what had happened, I ran. I backed my vehicle up to the garage door, and I, I packed everything in my room, and I left, and my mother walked into my room, and it was empty. Everything was gone, because I could not face my parents, because remember, everything is about how you look. You have to look the part, you have to play the part, and I didn't, I didn't meet that expectation and that standard, and so I left, and I ran, and for the first several months that I was pregnant, I was basically homeless. I was sleeping in my car. Um, in Walmart parking lot, and um, I was sleeping on people's couches, you know, random people that I would meet. I would just go stay on their couch or sleep in their bed or whatever because, I mean, I didn't have anywhere to go. I couldn't go home. You know, I was I was completely alone in all of this. And, um, you know, after the first month or so, I, I was in my mind trying to decide what I was going to do because, you know, I was in denial, but, you know, there's a point where it comes to you can't deny things anymore. And um, and I knew I was pregnant, and so I was trying to figure out what I was going to do, and I had decided that I was going to abort this baby. And um, I had had tried to work up the courage because, I mean, you know, inside I believe truly that everybody knows that there's a certain sanctity about life (coughs) because you are intimately created by God. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 139 that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are knit together in your mother's womb. And I truly believe that God God puts that knowledge inside of each one of us. You know, some people absolutely refuse to believe that truth, but that is the truth. Um, But for me, I was fighting against that. And, um, you know, I had decided that that's what I was going to do. And to me, it's amazing. You know, I stand here and I've been safe for 12 years and, and... all of this took place back in 2009, 2008 and um, I, I look back at it now and I see all of the ways that the Lord orchestrated things. Not only to bring me to the point of salvation, but also to spare me. Because when I had decided that I was going to abort, um, I got a phone call from that lunatic boyfriend that I dated for five years ago. In high school and right out of high school. He needed his PIN number for his credit card. And I remembered it. And he asked me how I was doing. And I was trying to be cordial and nice. And, you know, I still had that connection with him. Like, I, I just connect with people really easily for some odd reason. And, you know, it had been several, well, it was the year before that we had broken up. And so he asked me how I was doing. And I, I said, you know, I'm okay. And he said, I'm really okay. And I ended up sharing with him that I was pregnant, and I told him what had happened, and I honest to goodness, I stand here, and I'm like, I don't know why I did that, 
But I know why I did that, because it was the Lord. Because over a phone call for a PIN number, I shared what had happened to me. And he told me, and, and this is coming from a man who has no sense of right or wrong. Like, he's just, he, he was crazy. But he said, I know that what happened to you was wrong, and it was. You didn't deserve that. But that baby that's inside of you, it didn't make this happen to you. It didn't choose this. So how can you make the decision to choose whether it lives or dies? And I look back now and I know that that was the Lord speaking through him to spare me from what would have ruined me. And that is the love of the Lord in my life. That was the beginning, the real exposure to him. And I didn't see it then. But I stand here before you and I see it now. So um, I was homeless. And I was bouncing back and forth between all of these places. I had uh, transferred work, and I was working in Lowe's in Alcoa. And um, I, um, I ended up having a conversation with my sister-in-law, and I told her that I was pregnant. And um, she, so gracefully, I didn't know it at the time, but she went ahead and told my mom what had happened. And she told me, she said, you need to go ahead and go home and tell your mom what happened. And so I did. I went home and told my mom and um, I told her, I said, I really don't know what I'm going to do. And she said, you know, well, what are you going to do with a baby? And that basically made the choice for me, you know, that I had decided I wasn't going to abort. And that made the decision that I wasn't going to keep the baby. And so the only option that was left was adoption. Excuse me. Um, so um, her words planted that seed. And um, through... You know, the, the, all of the things that I went through, I ended up, I, I basically had a mental breakdown. Um, and I was running and running and running. And um, I, I went home. I finally, I reached the, basically the end point. Um, I was in probably my fifth or sixth month of pregnancy. And I had hardly gained any weight because I was living on, you know, the food row there by the airport. That's where I was eating off the dollar menu there. And I was scraping together whatever I could to just eat. And so, you know, I, I, it is a miracle from the Lord that the baby turned out the way that he did. Um, because I did not take care of me, and I didn't take care of him. Um, but I went home after I, I woke up one day, and I was staying on a friend of mine's couch. And her house was disgusting, to say the least. Uh, there were probably seven or eight inches of clothes and food crumbs. She had kids. She had pets that were running around the house that were bugs. It was, it was just awful. And I woke up one day, and I had had enough. And so I called my mom, and she said, you know what? If you're ready to come home, you just come home. And so I packed all my stuff back in my vehicle, and I went home. And about three months later, um, I gave birth to a little boy. This was um, in November of 2009. And then the month prior, my had introduced me um, to a woman who had a friend. Um, she and her husband, they had been through about um, 10 miscarriages. They had tried and tried and tried to have kids, and um, it just it never would happen. She would carry them for a while, and then her body would just self-abort. And um, 
so I met them in October, and I, something within me just knew that they were the parents of my child. And so in November, I gave that baby up for adoption. And um, because of the emptiness that was within me, I ran again, and I ran, and I ran, and I ran. Um, and while I was running, you know, I was still on state insurance because of the baby. And uh, my sister-in-law, she encouraged me to go to the doctor and, and have myself, you know, checked out. Well, they ended up diagnosing me with post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety and depression for some reason. <laughs> you know? But um, I, I ran. And um, I literally went from the East Coast all the way to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. I went from the Gulf of Mexico all the way up to New York. And I couldn't find what I needed. I tried all of these things. I tried all of these people. I tried all of these things that I thought would give me fulfillment. And, you know, I was so broken and and just completely torn apart from what I had been through. You know, I'd been through five years of abuse, and then I'd been taken advantage of it. And then I had a baby and gave him up for adoption, and now I'm here, and I have nothing. I was empty and alone in my suffering, and I was at the very bottom of where a person can be because I was just, I was broken. And uh, so I finally decided that I was going to move back home again, and um, I had gotten a job in my hometown. And um, this was in probably the middle part of 2011. And I had been working there, and things were okay, but, you know, inside I was not okay. I was so brokenhearted. And I couldn't fix it. And I wanted to fix it because I'm a fixer and I like to fix things and I like to make things better. And that's my heart's desire is is to help people. And, and, you know, here I am. I can't even fix myself. So what am I doing? And um, on October 3rd of 2011, I was getting ready to leave work. My shift ended at 2 o'clock. So, you know, it's probably 5 till. I'm headed to the break room and all of a sudden this voice speaks to me and he says, you need this. It was the most profound statement that I've ever heard in my life because my soul recognized who it was that was speaking to me. Um, When the creator of your soul speaks to you, you know it. See, I had spent all of this time thinking that Christians who said that they heard the voice of the Lord, I thought they were lunatics, that they were, you know, schizophrenic and they were hearing things in their mind. But to hear him speak, He so graciously opened his arms to me and allowed me to walk into him that day. It is grace. It is grace why I'm standing in front of you today. It is grace that I survived all of those insane choices that I made, you know, before I got pregnant, before, you know, I got saved, you know, after I had him, I, I, I mean, I, honest to goodness, I do not understand how I survived things. I had guns pulled on me, I, you know, I had car accidents, and all this stuff that happened to me, and, and yet I was brought through. So um, it took me about two years after I got saved. Uh, the Lord worked on me, and he worked on me, and he worked on me, because I was still very broken. I was saved. So graciously I got saved, but I was so bitter. 
And I was so angry at the man who had done what he did to me. How can you forgive? And one day I was reading my Bible and the Lord spoke to me from Matthew chapter 6 in verses 14 and 15. It says, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And my heart absolutely broke. Because all of this time I had held within myself the resentment and the anger and the hatred for him. And then I look at this and I say, Lord, how could you love me? How can you forgive me? When I hate him like I do. And so yet again, his grace brought me through and allowed me to forgive him and allowed me, you know, it, and I, I'm sure that the world, if they look at it now, they would say, that's insane. But, you know, I have a love for him in my heart because I know that he was just as lost as I was. I made stupid choices that put me in the situation. I have to take responsibility for those things. And one day he will stand before God and he will take responsibility for the choices that he has made. And my heart's desire is that he gets saved. Because I cannot imagine an eternity in hell. And so it is grace that brought me through that. And then, so fast forward about three years. And I got married. All of the things that I went through. Like the Lord was saying, it's all right. It's okay. I'm not worried. I'm not afraid. I know the answer is on its way. And about probably a year and a half or two years into my marriage with Justin, I had gotten tattoos of my first son's feet on my arms. And right before Justin and I got married, I went and had them covered up because I thought this is my testimony and it's mine and I don't want to share it because I don't want people to look at me and think how wretched you are. But God's grace brought me through that. And I was able to stand before my church and share my testimony for the very first time and the liberty that God gave to me to be able to do that. And I see my husband now, and I see so much of the Lord in him. Not because of him, but because of what the Lord has done in him. And uh, the sufficiency that comes in Christ is, is more than I can explain. It's more than I can comprehend the healing that the Lord brings to my heart through what he did in my marriage. But, you know... Back to, back to when we got married. It was a couple years after we got married, and I shared my testimony, and then my father-in-law stood behind this pulpit, and he said something that I will never forget. He said, we prayed for you. From the time he was born, we prayed for you. We didn't know who you were, but we prayed for you. And so the grace of the Lord came through the prayers of my mother and father-in-law, for my mamma-in-law and my papa-in-law. 
And who knows who else? Because God brought me into a family that is almost completely saved. Nobody in my family knows the Lord except for my dad. And maybe my grandmother who passed away a few years ago. But I'm completely alone other than my dad and my family. But see God's grace. There it is again. He brought me into a family. My father-in-law is a pastor. Um, and, and he's called by the Lord to preach. Yeah, that's important. But um, it was those prayers of the Lord, of, of my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, that, that brought me through all of those things that I look back now and I understand how it is that I made it through. It's because the Lord brought me through those things because he was bringing me to this, this cumulative point where he would say, you need this. And he does that over and over in my life. You know, there are still times when I, I get these pains of, of hurt. Because, I mean, let's face it, when you have a child, it is your child. And it will always be your child. And uh, I don't have that child. And so I've had to mourn that loss. And I've had to deal with that. But see, I don't have the testimony that Ashley has because she has lost too, but in a completely different way. And it's the Lord's grace that brings us through these things. And so probably about five or six months ago, I was standing at my, at my stove in my kitchen, in the, and I was hurting. Because I had him, and because of who I was, about two years after he was born, um, his adopted mother pulled my ability to go and see him. And so I, I don't get to see him anymore. I've had contact with her a few times. And, you know, because I'm saved, I can stand before you and say that I'm not angry with her. I was at first because I was lost and I didn't understand. But I'm, I'm here now and I look at who I was and what I was doing because of all the things that I've been through. And I completely understand because if I was in her shoes, I would have said no too. But um, I was just hurting that day. It was really early in the morning, and I was up by myself, and then the Lord spoke to me, and he said, look, you gave one away, and I gave you more than double. Because for those of you that don't know, after I got married, uh, the next spring I got pregnant with my name Justin's first baby, and then two years later I got pregnant again, and two years later I got pregnant again. And so now I have a, a three, five, and a seven-year-old that, that know who the Lord is. They don't know him intimately. They don't know him personally, but they know who the Lord is. And I have a seven-year-old that, you know, somebody thought that he was under conviction during vacation Bible school. But because he knows that when the Lord speaks to him, it's going to be completely different from anything else. You know, when I asked him after the fact, I said, buddy, did you get saved? And he said, he said, I'm expecting that, uh, I'm hoping, and I'm thinking that maybe the Lord will speak to me at home where I'm by myself. Because for those of you that know Flint, he's completely introverted. And he does not like to be in front of people. And he's very shy. And so his heart's desires to be safe at home by himself. And then I have Duke, and he's five years old, and he is chaos on wheels. <laughs> and uh, he and Tish are really... Really in line with each other. <laughs> and then you have Scarlett, and, and she's this amazing and beautiful combination of the two of them. Sometimes she's quiet, and then you get her with Duke, and it's like double the chaos. Like last night, they were up until midnight um, because her baby, which is her little bunny rabbit that she carries with her, 
was in the washing machine because she had taken it into the pool with her and then she spilled her milk on it and so it needed a bath right at bedtime. And so at midnight, I'm almost asleep and I hear our laundry room door shut. And I get up and I go out and here they both are. Duke's trying to help Scarlett to get her baby. But look at the grace of the Lord in that if I hadn't been where I was, if I didn't go through all of the things that I went through, when he did speak to me, I probably wouldn't have yielded. And I say it all the time. I had to get saved in a million square foot warehouse because the Lord knew that I'd never darken the doors of the church again. So see, that's the beauty of the Lord. He knows exactly where we're at. He knows exactly what it is that we need, no matter what the circumstances are. And that's why each testimony that's sitting in this room is so beautiful, because your circumstances are completely different. You know, those six-year-old testimonies that I've heard are so beautiful because of the fact that the Lord knew how tender your heart was. And then you have my testimony as a 22-year-old young woman who was so bullheaded and so determined to do her own thing, make her own way, that the Lord had to get me to the place where I was completely broken and I had nothing left to give. And that's when he spoke to me because he knew where my heart was and how grateful I am for that grace and for the mercy that he gives because he could have struck me dead at any moment. But, um... I want to finish up um, with the last part um, of Luke chapter 7. It's verses four, it's starting in verse 40. Excuse me. It says, And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. One owed 500 pence and the other 50. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me now, tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? And Simon answered and said, Well, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said, said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore, I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said unto the woman, thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. And so now I stand before you with the peace of God in my heart. And with a love for my enemies. Not because I'm special, not because I'm any different from anybody else, but simply because of what the Lord has done. And I said it to Monique this morning, you know, how can I not love him? 
gave his only begotten son to die in my place, to die for my sins, to die for all of those awful things that I did when I was lost. He loved me. And he so graciously opened his arms and pulled me into him and healed me and loved me and gave me a husband who loves him more than he loves me. I mean, what kind of a God is that? How can I not give everything that I have for him? And so with that, I want to just say that, you know, that was my story. And you all have a story And it's going to be different, but it's going to be beautiful, not because of who we are, but because of him who is in us, who died for our sins and spoke to our hearts and drew us into his family through the conviction of his Holy Spirit. See, that's an an amazing thing. So I want to go ahead and and share my song now. And and I want to pause right here and I just want to say how much thank you. How thankful that I am for David. Yes. Because he does so much for the Lord that isn't recognized because he's behind the scenes. And um, and I just want to publicly thank him for what he does. Because I know he's not going to come down here and stand in front of you guys and say anything. way and 
so I don't want to keep you real long, but I do want to share the main point of the message of what uh, God really wanted me to, to share with you. Um, so, David, if you will put that scripture up there for me. Um, so, uh, my topic and what I want to talk about, and Supreme and I have a similar story, but a lot different, but, you know, but it is a lot similar, too. But, um, so I'm going to use Joseph as my person, and this is, this would be my main scripture. Uh, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. If y'all know anything about Joseph, um, he went through a lot of stuff. His brothers hated him and really wanted to kill him. And, uh, you know, he had a younger brother that was feeling really guilty. And he's like, let's not kill him. <laughs> let's just throw him in a pit. So he stayed in a pit for a while. Then he got sold to the Egyptian people. And uh, But while he was over there, they had no idea, you know, what was going on. They told their dad that he had died. And, you know, they ripped off his coat of many colors. And, you know, it told him, and Jacob was just super sad and, you know, everything. And that made the boys hate him even more and stuff. So... You'll never keep sinning and be blessed of God. I mean, he's, he's not going to allow that. Um, but Joseph kept his integrity uh, through all of that. Now, I'm not saying by any means have I kept my integrity. I have tried. And I will say that everything that I've been through in my life, I have remained steadfast in the church, tried to be faithful, um, but knowing that my heart was breaking and... Uh, life has been tough. Uh, Joseph stood right in there, and I'd like to say that I kind of hung in there, you know, like he did. But and I have for the most part. But I don't know how many people will be saved by what I've gone through. But I do know that even in my recent endeavor, that I've been able to help some people. And the more that I've been able to help, it's helped me and saved my life. And uh, thankful for that. So. That's a huge verse, um, so keep that, you know, in there. We won't talk any more about Joseph, but um, but just to know what his life was like and that God was able to still use it for good, and uh, he can do that for all of us. He can take all of these nasty messes, you know, and if you don't have a nasty mess story, that is awesome. Praise God for it. Be so thankful, and I think some of y'all probably do have that, but most of us don't. You know, and um, I look back a lot and I'll tease around and I'll say, would I really change anything about my life? Most times I say, yeah, I would like to change that. But, um, no, deep down, no, I don't. You know, I wish things didn't happen the way they did, especially my current events. But uh, to God be the glory, and that's why I stand to share as hard as it is because it is God who gets the glory for it. And he helps us through all these things and to grow. So my topic is the faithfulness and especially the goodness of God. Because when I look back and I go all the way, I have memories when I was a four-year-old child. And God was faithful and merciful and good to me even then. And had his hand of protection on me even then. And as I carry on through my life all the way through today... He is being good and faithful to me through it all. 
And I'm thankful for that. Uh, This one scripture in Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says, um, it's talking about the judgment of God. But the last part is what I want you to, to hear. It says, or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. <laughs> the goodness of God will lead you to repentance. I find myself repenting constantly. I never feel like I measure up. And um, I'm definitely my own worst enemy. I'm my biggest critic, and most of us are. Um, it's not right that we do that, especially being a child of God, but it's easy to do sometimes, especially when you've lived a life of that. And that'll go to my um, story. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the bad or negative. And please know we don't share this for you to have sympathy or empathy or any. It's to share the glory of God and how he uses these experiences to help us and to save us. And as I share, you'll realize that my story is similar to Sabrina's. Um, I didn't have to have hellfire and brimstone preaching to get saved either. He simply came to me real simple and said pretty much the same thing. And I'll get to that point. But at four years old, I can remember my life. Uh, my dad has done drugs all my life. Um, Mom, I know, stayed with him because of me. You know, and a lot of parents do that. Um, But I can remember at four years old, and my dad was always worse when he didn't have the drugs. While he had them, he was great to get along with. I was daddy's little girl. Everything was great. You know, I was schooled rotten, had no lies to tell. I was the baby. The only one by then, I was schooled rotten. And they tried to do their best to give me whatever I wanted, and most times it happened. But I was daddy's little girl. But... At four years old, I can remember sitting, and my dad was out of drugs. And that's when the fight started happening. He was just hateful, ugly, evil, and he and my mom would start fussing and fighting. And my mom would just sit there and take it. My mom was a superwoman in my eyes. Um, She took a lot of stuff. But um, they would argue. He would get so mad and everything, and they would do it in front of me. And I was sitting there, and I'm crying and begging him not to do that. And Mom's trying to get him to stop, and she goes away. But then my dad goes and gets a gun, and he puts it up to his head right in front of me. Now, he never put it up to me. He never really put it up to my mom, but he would constantly put it up to himself. Well, if y'all are going to leave me, I'm just going to take care of this. I'm going to kill myself. And then he would look at me, and he's like, if your mom leaves me and you choose her over me, I'm going to blow my brains out. What four-year-old needs to make that decision, okay? You know, and, and I can remember that. And I would start screaming and crying, please, Dad, no, don't do this. And my mom's begging him to quit. Cops are at her house all the time, all the time. It's just a fight all the time. He never would do anything, but it was the threat of it for years. This went on every year of my life. And when I turned 12, um, I was in school, um, so I was pretty good in school and sports, but it's because I sunk myself in that. That was my escape, was my schoolwork and sports, and I was very good at them. Those were the good old days as far as that goes, but I sunk myself into it because I had nothing else good in my life, I felt. 
And uh, I did, and let me say that I did go to church all my life. Even when my mom didn't go, I had a precious aunt that will always hold dear my heart that made sure I went. Even when mom couldn't go because of fighting or whatever, my aunt would call and say, that's no excuse for you, young lady. Get ready. I'm picking you up. You're going to church. I'm thankful for that. She's the one who instilled the love of music into me. We sung all the time. She was funny. We made up songs and stuff, so she's she's way up there, my most godly mentor, because she wouldn't let me quit. She wouldn't let me stop no matter what was going on. I had godly grandparents also, but I, I didn't live with them, and I stayed with her a lot, but she would take me to church. So I knew some things, but I didn't know, you know, some things. Um, but um, so I was in church, and, you know, I heard things, and I saw people go to the altar and stuff, but... You know, it, I just felt like that was something you did. I, I didn't understand and everything. But I did love music and love singing. And so, you know, I would participate in that part. And then come time for the preaching, I'd try to go to sleep. My aunt wouldn't let me. She's like, oh, no, little lady, you're staying up. And I'm okay, <laughs> you know, whatever. But, um, you know, as us kids do, you know, sometimes they want to sleep. But I'm thankful for that. But fast forward to age 12. Uh, everything's still chaotic and terrible, and then something big happens. And uh, my dad does something really, really stupid and foolish, and um, still devastating to my family to this day. But it was a choice he made as a lost man. My dad was lost. But um, I caught him doing this horrible thing. I went to my mom and I said, Mom, you've got to leave Dad. We can't live like this anymore. I said, I know you're staying with him because of me, but we can't do this anymore. And I told her what happened and she didn't believe me. And I understand why she didn't want to believe me. It was horrible. And then uh, some other situations come up and... uh, so my dad was confronted, and he admitted, yes, basically he had someone else pregnant, and he said it was his, and so my mom said, okay, that's it. We can't do this anymore, and uh, so even though I begged her to leave him in divorce and all that, it still hurt. That was my mom and dad, you know, and, uh, but my dad blamed me for what he did, and then especially blamed me for her. So, you know, I've kind of been put down my whole life and blamed and, you know, never got any support from my dad. He never went to the first ball game. My mom didn't get to go much because she was always working to make sure that the six of us had food to eat and everything like that. And so I just a lot of times felt like a loner. I mean, I had a family, but I didn't. I was like, I don't have a purpose. This is ridiculous. But when my dad blamed me, you know, and I'd already been beaten down and everything. Well, I believed him. I said, well, it must be true. And I said, well, I don't want to live anymore. And I'll just solve this problem. Nobody can blame me for anything ever again. I went to school that next day, went down to the gym, to the equipment room, grabbed a rope, had it around my neck, and my basketball coach came down into the gym. He went straight there, and he said, Tisha Renee, what are you doing? And I said, I'm tired of living. I can't take the pain anymore. And he said, don't do this. There's a better way. And he said, come home with me. 
if that's what you got to do. And I was like, I don't want to go home with anybody. I just want to be done. And so I talked to him, told him what had happened. And uh, he talked to my mom, and he was like, are you okay with me taking her if she's willing to go? Can I take her for a little bit? And mom's like, yeah, you know, just check in with me and everything. It'll be better till we can get out of here and everything. And he shared with my mom what I had tried to do. And, you know, it just devastated her and everything. Now, granted, I was still not saved at this point. Um, I just wanted to end it all. I hate conflict. I'm a runner from conflict. And that was what I thought was my way out. So I went and lived with him. And he's way up on my list, too. He was a basketball coach and a teacher, but he was so much more than that to me. God put this man in my life to save my life. He used him. I mean, God obviously saved my life, but he used this man, David Hill, is his name. And he has since that time been to every single big event in my life except for one. And that's because I didn't tell him about it. Um, So he means the world to me. But the biggest thing that I remember about him, he went to church, but he went to Friends for Friends Quaker Church. It didn't matter to me. And he was like, hey, I have a rule. you got to go to church. Oh, no problem. Been in church all my life. But the Lord had started dealing with me. I was really feeling guilty and bad about trying to take my life. And I was like, that's not the right thing to do, you know, and everything. But after several weeks, and the Lord was dealing with me, and we were talking and praying, and he prayed over me at school all the time, at home all the time. He was constantly praying over me. And he would speak, greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. Constantly spoke that to me. I didn't believe it, you know. But he spoke that over and over. Finally one night he said, if you don't mind, Tisha, I'm going to have the elders of our church just say, we're going to have special prayer over you. I just feel like that's what God wants us to do. Okay. I don't have a problem with that. I was like, something's got to change. You know, when I was kind of like spring out, I had bitterness and hate in my heart, you know, toward my dad and just toward my home life and and everything. And it was like, why is this happening to me? You know, just a kid not understanding. I was like, I try to be a pretty good person. You know, I was a little bit of a bully, but I wasn't going to take no stuff off anybody. I, I did beat some boys up, but it was mostly to... To get on to them because they were being mean to other people. And I, I couldn't stand for people to be made fun of. So, so yeah, you know, I, I was a little bit of a boy, if you can believe that. <laughs> um, I didn't really do it on purpose. But anyway, um, he uh, he said, we're going to stay and we're going to pray over you. And I was like, that's great. Well, Six people stayed to pray over me that night. It was June 12, 1993. I can remember it because the day my life forever changed. We were down praying. They were praying for my earthly dad, for my home situation and everything. But the Lord came to me at that moment. And just like he told us pregnant, very soft and gentle, he said, you need me as your heavenly father. And if you'll do that, I'll take care of your earthly father. And while I still didn't quite know everything about it, you know, things were coming together because I'd heard it all my life and stuff. But I was like, okay, that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. What have I got to lose, you know? I mean, I was like, but then I got really broken. And I said, yes, Lord, I need you more than the very breath that I have. And David Hill was beside me praying, and he realized my prayer had changed. 
So his prayer changed, and I got saved that night. And I'm so thankful. And he was right there, and he was like, I had no idea. I was like, I didn't either. I mean, I truly, I was there to pray for my earthly dad. I mean, and that's what I love about God. He will come and find you when you're not looking for him. You know, and you can be churched all your life and not know. You know, and those are good things. So keep bringing your people up in church because they will hear and things will click. Like, it wasn't an issue for me, you know, to accept it. I was like, I have nothing else to lose. So, you know, but my life did forever change. And they noticed that. And they had me. I'm a writer anyway and a note taker and all that. But they would make me write at school. They would make me write letters, tell how I felt, and kind of as counseling and different things. And when I was having a bad day or hard time, I would write in black, and it would be like, (laughs) But when I was having a good day, I got all these bright, colorful pens, and I'm writing, I feel so great today. I'm loving my... And they love those. And, you know, like, we, we like this. <laughs> this is what we're going to see. What are we going to do to keep you at this? I'm like, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm thankful my life has changed. And I did. Like, you know, life got better. It was still hard, you know. still had to deal with the issue of my dad. I went two years with not anything with him at all. Um, we still don't have a close relationship. I love my dad, and I pray for my dad. Um, I don't know. I don't know. He just doesn't seem too concerned. But um, but anyway, all that led as I got older. You know, I was just one of the guys. I was the biggest tomboy ever. Still kind of am. But I was just one of the guys. So I was never interested in dating or anything like that. But when I was graduating high school and I knew I was getting ready to go to college, I was like, well, I feel kind of all alone, you know. And my mom was struggling with me going away to college because I was moving four and a half hours away and I was the baby, you know, against full draw. And my mom was my person. You know, she she was a lot of my strength. And uh, before I went off to college, um, I was going to church on a Sunday morning. It was Easter Sunday morning, 2001, April 2001 had a horrible car wreck on Mint Road. It was raining, hyperplane, hit a van head on. Should have been dead. Should have been dead. But the Lord, in his goodness and faithfulness and plan for me, kept me alive. Now, I was down for four months. Every part of my left side was in some kind of cast or brace. I couldn't shower myself. I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. Somebody had to do that for me. You talk about humiliating. That was humiliating, and especially with the person that ended up being the one, you know, to do it. I was really struggling, but God was working on me, and I didn't even realize it. But I'd started, you know, I felt like I was missing something, and so everybody was trying to set me up with a guy. I was like, you need a boyfriend. I'm like, no, no, I don't, you know, whatever. But they kept on, kept on, and I was doing that. Well, I just knew I wanted a man to love me. That was really all I knew and um, didn't know much. I'm 18 years old. And um, I was like, I really don't want to get involved with anybody. I'm going off to college. This really isn't my thing. But when the guy started paying attention to me and everything, it felt good. 
Um, but the Lord also, before the car wreck, the Lord took care of me too. He took me places in the middle of the night I had no business going and I was lying to him. I was very vulnerable um, and just really gullible and naive. I didn't understand a lot of things about relationships. I didn't understand anything about relationships, okay? I was not taught. My mom didn't teach, you know, any of that. And the only relationship I really knew about was horrible. <laughs> you know, what I, it was horrible. And I just knew I don't ever want anything, you know, like that. And so this guy was paying a lot of attention to me, made me feel loved. And I was like, oh, this is wonderful, blah, blah, blah. He, you know, used my sensitivity and my gullibleness and taught me in some things. I made the choice. I was not raped. Thank God for that. But I made those choices. And I got pregnant, didn't know I was pregnant, and I had this car wreck while I was pregnant. So Gracie is my only child, and she is my miracle baby. Um, I was eight months pregnant, actually, before I ever knew it. And I know you're thinking, how in the world? Well, I never quit doing the things that I normally did on a daily basis. I mean, I exercised. I was very athletic then. I was not fat. <laughs> I could eat whatever I wanted. It was fine. Um, I just kept doing everything. Um, and I was on some serious medication for migraines. So it kept Gracie from growing, and it also kept her from moving. So she really should have been dead also. But when I was eight months along, all of a sudden, I get this, it just, boom. I thought I was dying with a tumor. <laughs> I'm serious. I was, I said, something is bad wrong with me. I have a tumor and I'm dying. And, you know, my mom is flipping out. She's going, uh-huh. We never thought a second. Nobody ever asked me, are you pregnant? Which I would have told them, no. Not even a thought. I'm like, I I'm dead. Just go ahead and, you know. So we get a doctor's appointment. We go, and I'm in there. They do blood work. They knew right off the bat what it was. I, I was floored. They come out and did the blood work. They're like, we're going to do a couple little tests on you. We want to show you something. They're like, you got a tumor all right. It's called a baby. And I just, what? And my mom's looking at me going, mm -hmm. I, I was floored. And they're like, tell me, why would you not know? And I told them what medication I was on everything. And they're like, oh, my goodness, we got to get this out of your system immediately. You're high risk. By the way, you're going to have a girl. She's going to be here in about a month. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm 20 years old. I'm, you know, I had gone to college, finally come back home because all that. You know, but God has a plan. He knew all He knew all along. Because I was going to MTSU to fly airplanes, and um, I wanted to be a pilot so bad. I still love airplanes. But God knew that I wouldn't fit in that crowd, and that was not his calling on my life. I had seizures with my migraines. They pulled my medical. I come back home. All of that, you know. It was just bad choice after bad choice after bad choice for me. I gave up a full scholarship, said, if I can't fly, I don't want to do anything. Dumb, dumb, dumb. But when you're 18 and 19 and 20, you don't make a whole lot of really good decisions. So 
you know, here I am, it just goes on and on. But the Lord knew, and he had a plan for all of this in my life. Um, so I had Gracie. Very easy pregnancy. I mean, obviously, I was eight months. I mean, didn't even know it, you know. But I was high risk, so I went from never going to the doctor to going every week. And they're doing all this, I'm like, and then I'm thinking, oh, no. <laughs> you know, I'm still not comfortable with all that stuff. <laughs> and uh, I, I can't help it. I'm just that kind of person. But, but I'm very thankful uh, I did have Gracie. She came out very fast, very quickly. Her, her mouth was moving when she came out. It hasn't really stopped. Um, you know, but so after I had Gracie, as soon as she was born, my mom saw I was okay. She left me. At 1.30 in the morning, my mom is leaving me in the hospital with this baby. And I was like, where are you going? She's like, I'm going home and going to bed. You had it. It's yours now. So my mom had tough love, but I'm thankful for her. She, I was like, oh, no. And so I'm at UT, and thankfully UT at the time had these little ladies that come around and would help you, you know. So Gracie's screaming her lungs out. She is crying, crying, crying. She won't stop. And I'm just boo-hooing to her. I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> my mom has left me. I'm going to die. <laughs> you know, and, uh, so I hear a little knock on the door. I'm like, come in. And she's like, honey, are you okay? No. Do you need help? Yes. What do you mean? I was like, she won't shut up. <laughs> and she's like, okay, well, did you change her? Yes. Did you feed her? Yes. She, I was like, well, she still won't stop. You know? And she's like, let me have her. So she gets her. Well, she wasn't quite on the lady either, so I felt kind of good about that. I was like, she's going to get her because this kid's going to hate me. <laughs> you know, She's going to get her. Everything's going to be good. No, she was still hungry. Gracie left the hospital drinking eight ounces of milk, y'all. That's crazy. But she slept all night, never woke up in the middle of the night. She was an easy baby. Everything was easy about her. That's probably why God only gave me one because the next one would have probably killed me. I just said that to say, you know, God blessed me with that. Even through the sin, it was wrong what I did to have her. And everybody knew what my life would be later. Um, then I had a bunch of female problems about hemorrhage to death. And my aunt, that was so special to me, that's what happened to her. She had hemorrhaged in a blood clot, went to her lung and killed her unexpectedly. Tore my world upside down. And Gracie's named after her. She died exactly one month before Gracie was born. Um, so that was another tragedy you know, in my life, losing, you know, such my great mentor. But Grace is very healthy. She had no issues when she could have easily had, you know, anything. I had the car wreck, had surgery with her in me, all the medicine and everything. You know, God is good and gracious and faithful. And, you know, he just has a plan for us that we cannot understand most times. And, uh, you know, I look back and, you know, Gracie's 21, about to graduate college, and, you know, but about hemorrhage to death, and so I had to have a hysterectomy, not able to have any more children and stuff, and uh, that kind of hurt me, you know, I always thought I'd have a boy and a girl, you know, ideal life, whatever, and I was like, oh, that was so easy, I would do this again, <laughs> I said, it would have killed me, I'm confident, you know, that it would, but, uh, 
anyway, um, but the, so things started happening. It was like a hysterectomy, and then it was my gallbladder, and then it was my appendix, and then it was sinus surgery, and just all these things. And I was like, I, I, don't, I don't get it. But in the process, uh, God sent somebody to me, and that was Sam, and um, I had to pray a lot about that. When I first met him, you know, and everybody was trying to set us up, I said, that's an old stinky man. There ain't no way. <laughs> Honest words. I was like, old stinky man. ain't happening. <laughs> uh, I was like, I'm, I'm kind of done with all this matchmaking stuff and everything. But I really got sincere with the Lord and prayed. And I did what the Lord told me to do. And I know that the Lord at that time sent Sam into my life. And, um, we had 12 great years, and uh, then bringing me to this time now, um, God did give me good in that. He gave me Jeff, who gave me Brandy, and gave me three beautiful grandchildren, which were the boys that I never got to have. And I'm thankful for all of that. But I say this to say, I didn't make the choices of what has happened recently. We started having life changes, and for whatever reason, Sam chose to deal a different way. And uh, hung in there for a long time, tried, because that's what God told me to do. I went through a lot of counseling, um, just a lot of things that was hard, and I never expected, never expected this to happen. But... I thought everything was pretty good with me and I was doing all right. But when I looked, the Lord was trying to show me some things. I was putting people before him. My mom, my husband, and my daughter. Two going on three years ago, I lost all three of them basically at the same time. Gracie moved away to college. My mom passed away. And then Sam went Berserko. That's just the only word I know to say. And that hurt. That was hard. And I was like, Lord, why? I did question him, and I wanted to know. And every now and then, it'll still hit me. Now, again, I don't say this for sympathy, for nothing. I'm going to tell you about the goodness of God and how he uses people in our lives to help us. I would not be standing here tonight sharing my testimony or talking to you all or laughing or doing anything if it wasn't for the goodness of God using people to constantly send me messages, pray with me, uh, with me for the Lord. I didn't think I was going to patch it through this. I really didn't. I was like, I just don't even want to live. That came a second, but I wasn't going to do anything to myself. I was begging God just take me on home. This is, this stinks. I don't like it at all. And, um, like I said, I put a lot of strength and everything in my mom. She was my, my comfort. And I think God had to take her from me so that I wouldn't rely on her through all this, but on him. But we got pretty comfortable in life. God was blessing us, giving us some things and I thought it was things I really wanted, you know. Had a nice house. We had gotten a boat. It was ratty tatty, but man, we had a lot of fun on that thing. <laughs> and that's different stories <laughs> for a different 
time, but uh, it was a time for our family, you know, to get together and things. And we had all that, and it's all gone for me. It's all gone, all taken away. And that lesson for me is don't put your treasure and your trust in things down here. It'll tell right. you, and it'll leave you. But God won't. He won't. That's what I've had steadfast. Through every bit of this, I feel like I've been in the pit. I feel like I've been thrown in the fire. I feel a whole lot of things. But God uses people to help us and to bring us out of these places. And so when I say there's people that literally help pull me up, I'm very serious. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my church and my church family and friends. Uh, and it's because of the goodness of God, not because I deserve it, because I don't. Because through, I had to go through all these things to learn lessons, and I'm still learning. There are still times that I don't thank Him for things. There are times that I don't, or when things are going pretty good, you know, I'm not at rock bottom right now, you know, praying and crying my guts out and just weeping before Him. I'm not doing that. And uh, so we got to be sure to praise him and thank him when things are going really well. Because they can change in an instant. And they will. They will. But I had people that would text me scripture, that would pray with me, would constantly just tell me, you're on my heart, don't give up. You know, all of these things. And it was wonderful. And... At another Women of Joy, one of the ladies I went with, I wasn't going to go. That was the year everything started happening. And then I prayed about it, and I was like, Lord, if I really need to go to this, make a way. And he did. Mm-hmm. Well, this lady decided to make us um, a little plaque with a scripture on it. And she had prayed about it, and she knew each one of us, and she had prayed about it and said, um, the Lord laid this scripture on my heart for you. And she gave each one of us um, a little plaque. I was like, um, that's very nice. I like that verse you've given me. That's pretty cool. Thank you. And I'll read it in a minute. I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, I was like, okay, that's, that's great. Great verse. Really, really good. This was right when things were starting to happen. I didn't know everything that was going to happen and mom hadn't passed yet. You know, none of this. Well, then things started getting worse and worse and worse. And a sister in the church got me this plaque. And she said, all I could think of is you. And I want to give this to you. And it was a verse. Pastor Tommy, who bless his heart, had to put up a lot with me, helping me. But he did it with compassion and patience. But he sent me a verse. So all he said, I'm praying for you. I love you. You know what the verse was? It was the exact same verse from all those people. And this is what it said. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Isaiah 41. That verse has taken on a whole new meaning in my life. And God was trying to get that through to me, that he would help me, he would strengthen me. 
Now God used that verse to help Tommy too, and that's why he had shared it with me. But he had no idea other people had been sending me that that verse. And so when I first just thought, oh yeah, that's a nice verse. That's got some good words. Now it has rescued me so many times because I know that he will help me. I know that he will strengthen me. And I know that he is good and faithful and is going to go with me all the time. And Valerie sings that song, He's Always Been Faithful to Me. And I would just play that over and over. And I'd do good for believing it for a little bit. And then then I would get down like, I'm a tigger. And tiggers are up and down, not just bouncy up and down, but up and down. That's one of the not-so-good traits of a tigger. And when you're a tigger piglet, for anybody that knows about their food characteristics, I'm train wreck, which we all already know that, you know. So I'm up and down, up and down all over the place. But God is still good and faithful, and he loves us. And I want to share just one more little thing in a couple of scriptures um, to talk about God's goodness and faithfulness. So through through this last bout, this hard time, um, something had happened with me and Sam, and it was really bad. And... Um, I decided I'd had enough of just trying to wait and let the Lord deal with it. I was going to take care of it myself. And uh, he was out in the shed, and I went out there. And uh, I'm not proud of what I was feeling, how I felt. never felt that way before in my life. Thankfully, I haven't felt that way ever again. I've shared this with our ladies, but it means so much to me and how important it is to be obedient to God when he tells you to do something. I was going to go out there and I was going to kill him. I'm just being honest. It's horrible. But he had hurt me physically, mentally. I was done. I said, I'll just take care of this because the Lord ain't doing nothing about it. I went out there. There's tons of tools. I could have taken my pick at anything. And I think he realized what was going on, and he got right in my face, and it was just like Satan, just agony. It was Satan, agony on saying, go ahead and make both of our days. He knew what I was going to do. And I was drawing back, and I had my phone in my pocket, and my phone ding. And I was like, what in the world? Who is Contact me. Don't they know what I'm fixing to do? <laughs> and I ignored it for a second. And I was going to keep going. And it dinged again. But it wasn't that same ding of, hey, you've got a message you didn't open. It had already done that. It was another ding of, you have a new message. And I looked at my phone because I am too much obsessed and possessed with it. I pulled it out of my pocket and I looked at it. And it was two messages from two sisters of this church. And it said, I don't know what's going on right now, but God has laid you on my heart. I'm praying hard for you, and don't do whatever you're about to do. And the other sister said, I don't know why, but you're on my heart. I'm praying for you. And that stopped me. God Use the obedience of these people at that moment to stop me from doing something horrible. And that would
would have been on me. I would have destroyed my family's life and my wife. And I'm very ashamed that I ever even felt that kind of rage or anything. Like I said, I've never felt that before, never have felt it again. I put my phone down, said, thank you, God. I started squalling. He's like, oh, no, don't you? You do it. And I was able to turn around, walk away. And I did turn, and I busted the barn door <laughs> because I had to release something. I hit the barn door really hard. should have broke my hand, but I didn't. The Lord protected me. But I'm thankful that I listened and that he constrained me more than more time and kept me from doing something so stupid and foolish out of my own emotion, you know, and everything. But he used these two sisters to do that. So if God tells you to check up on somebody or just send a message, you may not ever understand or know why, but it is for a reason do what he asks you to do, no matter how silly, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Just be obedient because it could save somebody's life. That did, that saved two lives or, and, a, and a whole family, in, in my opinion. And what he has, you know, shown me and dealt with me. Now, I would love to say I'm doing good right now. I'm thankful for what the Lord is doing as far as mentally and spiritually for me. Um, I don't want to take that for granted. I do have some health issues. It's like he's ever keeping going on. But I, as hard as it is, I'm thankful for that because, you know, I keep reading this saying, uh, the devil doesn't try to come into an empty house. You must have something there. And uh, while sometimes it feels so little and not much, I'm glad that I have something that he hates about me, that he's trying to destroy me. And, and he could have easily taken this situation and made me a whole different person. But I'm thankful to say that because of the love of the people, I have never wanted to get out of church. I have not missed, you know, and I'm not bragging on myself. Please don't take it that way. But this is a place of refuge. And that's what I want you to know is the goodness of God brings repentance. It brings refuge. This is your place where you go should be your refuge. You should feel like this is where it's at. And and I can. I can come in here. I can be having a horrible day. I can come in here and instantly just everything just change for me. And uh, Psalm 23, verse 6, if I can see it. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life. That last part says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But just know we can't run away from his goodness and his mercy. Why we even want to try, I don't know. But um, we cannot run away from that. It will follow us all the days of my life. And I am so, so very thankful for that. But if you get to research and just... I don't want to take up a bunch more time and stuff because we're way past. But if you just, in Psalms alone, every chapter pretty much has the word goodness in it about praising the Lord and the goodness. I mean, you could just start turning and, and go with it because the goodness of God is awesome. 
and I'm not going to sing because there's no way that I can, but I do want to play this song. And I want to give you an invitation that maybe, maybe you have trouble in your life and maybe you feel like you can't make it through or you don't know what to do or you don't feel like your church is a place of refuge or that anybody cares or sees you or knows. God sees you and knows, and that's the only one that really matters. Um, but his goodness and his faithfulness is the greatest thing that we can ever have of anything. So please, and if you don't need to pray about anything, that's awesome. Worship with me on this song. Can you turn it up?
I'm sure tomorrow will be much better.